Thank you very much, Asanda Matsonya. And it's seven minutes past 12. This is the Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you along. How was your weekend, by the way? Pirates, Chiefs, happiness, draw? Are you okay with that? Well, I'm okay with that. And uh, the Cape Arcas was uh, quite great this weekend. I really, really enjoyed it. I see five cyclists who were admitted to a private hospital in Cape Town following yesterday's tour are making good progress there. More than 35,000 cyclists participated in the 109-kilometer race in the Cape Peninsula. Uh, Such a nice race, uh, that one. And we welcome your comments on anything, really, that's on your mind this uh, afternoon. 34701. I see a story just in now. The president says communication. Communications Minister Dina Pule is trying to persuade the SABC board chairman and his deputy to withdraw their resignations. Ben Gubane and Tamika Plaki resigned after Gubane and the board fell out over the future of acting COO Claudio Mutsuaneng. That's a story that has just come in there. What do you make of this? 34701. But also Malibongo Drive north of Joburg has once again been blocked off as scores of Tabombeg in former settlement residents have taken to the streets protesting over poor service delivery. The road was blockaded this morning, cleared around mid-morning, and they blockaded again. Now we heard from Pearl Makubane that it's just been cleared. So we'll be talking to her shortly. But let's go to Davidson now. The street adjacent to the Benoni Magistrates Court has been cordoned off as residents of Davidson have gathered outside the court where nine police officers accused of killing Mozambican taxi driver Mido Masia are applying for bail. Masia was allegedly dragged behind the police van with his hands cuffed to the van in Gauteng's Israel just over a week ago. He was found dead in a, in a police cell later that day and was buried on Saturday in Matola, Mozambique. For more on this now, we say good afternoon to our reporter Edwin Sidi. Take us through what is happening right now. We hear, we hear of a street adjacent to the court being cordoned off. Indeed, uh, Bongi, the street adjacent to the court has been cordoned off. This is a result of the protesting residents of Davidson. We have come here in their numbers to come and show their support to the deceased family as well as to calling for no bail against the eight, I mean, against the nine police officers charged with the murder of Marcia. I should also say that the proceedings are well underway inside courtroom four. Uh, that is a pet to capacity. And I should also add that uh, I mean, the state prosecutor has been calling for the magistrate here not to grant the accused bail. He has told the court how uh, Masia was brutally assaulted and he said that an autopsy of Masia found that he had died from lack of oxygen. He's also, he's also saying that in Tumune uh, for the state says the autopsy found that Masia has a cancer internal and external injuries. He's also telling the court that that autopsy has also found that uh, found the lacerations at the back of Masia's head on his head and jaws. Mr. Mchimkul also told this court that uh, Masia had, uh, had uh, you know, had cuts on his lips, forehead, cheeks, nose, leg and arms. He's basically saying that none of Masia's body parts was left untouched. Uh, And uh, we understand that an affidavit from a local resident was presented to the court. Talk us through that. Well, uh, the affidavit, I mean, according to, I mean, according to, I mean, to the state, and uh, he's saying that, uh, you know what, we'll call this witness to come and testify to show how brutally, I mean, was uh, Masia attacked, by, I mean, allegedly by these officers. Uh, the, the affidavit is clearly, I mean, I mean, explaining how, I mean, how the behavior of the cops in that Davidson and residents here also, they are saying that, uh, you know, the behavior of police officers in Davidson is so unbecoming because they go around and hit people, take drives and do all sorts of things. So that witness is expected to be called uh, <clears throat> during, the, I mean, during the course of the trial. How far are we with the bail hearing? 
How far well, is the process? You would know that, uh, you know, the state, uh, I mean, chose not to call witnesses. In, I mean, in fact, what they did is that they presented uh, affidavits. Uh, I mean, but uh, I should also say that, uh, I mean, the, the, the defense uh, was created by the magistrate because they wanted the investigating officer as well as uh, the community member who presented the affidavit to come and testify. But the magistrate was asking on what grounds. So it appears that the magistrate won't allow that to happen. But, uh, you know, Bongi, we are likely to, I mean, to go on through until maybe 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock. Because you know, I mean, we have we have nine we have nine accused here, and all of their lawyers have to present their cases. Describe the situation for us outside the court. How many residents are we talking about, and the police presence as well? We we know that uh, the uh, the community there has been hostile against the police. Indeed, I should say that it is a large contingent of members of the SPS as well as members from the Okurian Metropolis who are keeping a close eye on these residents who are chanting and singing freedom songs. And some of the songs, I should say, Bonti, that they are insulting, I mean, they are insulting to the police. And, you know, it's just a handful of them. I mean, unlike last week, last week there were at least more than hundreds of them were here. But it appears that, you know, the numbers are dwindling. We don't know as to whether people are losing interest. But I should say that this action outside this court where residents are chanting and singing songs and they're also saying that, you know, and also I should say, Bondi, that the message from their placards is very clear that we are tired of police brutality. Did you spot any uh, of the Masia family members there present in court? Indeed, you would know that on Friday they left for Mozambique to go and bury uh, Masia. And I mean, they're also present today in court. And uh, I mean, from the reports that we are getting is that, I mean, they left Mozambique yesterday so that they could be here to follow the proceedings. Thank you very much to our reporter Edwin Sidi at the Binoni Magistrates Court. At 13 minutes past 12, we go to Kenya now, where relations with Western countries are expected to be cool after Uhuru Kenyatta, who faces charges uh, at the International Criminal Court, was named as president-elect yesterday. The U.S. and Britain in particular warned before last week's elections that it could not be business as usual with a Kenyatta presidency. Western diplomats yesterday applauded Kenya's mainly peaceful election without mentioning Kenyatta by name. Let's talk now to uh, our reporter, that's uh, Sarah Kimani, who is on the line. Good afternoon to you, Sarah. Right, talk us through what is happening right now in Kenya. Uh, Uhuru Kenyatta is president-elect, and uh, Raila Odinga is not too happy about this. As we heard, he's going to the courts. Yes, and uh, he's now from the Odinga has formed uh, a team of legal experts. Uh, the basics of how his case is going to be presented in court, and they're expected to go to court any time uh, this week. As for the law, he has uh, seven days uh, to go to court, and the courts have uh, 14 days from the time uh, Odinga files his case to determine it and uh, give uh, a final verdict. For now, we are still waiting. Has not go, um, Odinga has not gone to court, but the Chief Justice has just uh, told Kenyans that uh, the Supreme Court the court that Odinga is taking the case will handle the, the petition in a fair manner and as fast as possible. And uh, what is uh, uh, Mr. Odinga's, uh, uh, Raila Odinga's gripe with, uh, with, uh, with, the, with the results of the elections? Well, he says that uh, first, uh, the electoral process, just when people are voting in some areas, the electoral register was tampered with, so that uh, in some areas, and areas that were seen as Uhuru uh, Kenyatta strongholds, the numbers were increased so as to favor Kenyatta. And also he says once they reached Nairobi where the telling was going on, 
system failed, his agents were thrown out of the Kali center. And so it is possible, he says, that during that time, then the, also the figures were tampered with. He's also saying that in some areas, the numbers of registered voters and the numbers of people who cast their ballots, those numbers are not cutting. So he says uh, there may be areas where uh, numbers were increased to favor Kenyatta. So those are some of the issues we'll be taking to court. That on its own really creates a tense situation going to courts. Uh, and uh, as we saw in 2007, 2008 also, it was a result of a, a prolonged course, court proceedings. How is the situation right now that uh, Rilo Dinga is going to the courts? Well, there's a new judiciary with a new chief justice and the new laws. Uh, for example, uh, since Saturday 3 p.m. when Kenyatta uh, was elected, has seven days to file the case. The court has 14 days, that is two weeks, within which they must uh, decide on the petition and give a verdict. Also, Odinga is saying that uh, he feels the courts this time are freer than uh, during the last election, and so he's believing in them. The only thing is that uh, on the streets, opinion is very divided, with a lot of people saying uh, Odinga should have just accepted the results and move on, uh, but... His supporters are saying by him accepting and moving on, he will be uh, encouraging impunity and what he, he called a democracy being on trial during uh, his speech on Saturday. Mm. And, uh, and the West, Western countries and Western diplomats uh, welcomed Uhuru Kenyatta's win with a muted applause, really highlighting that uh, it could not be business as usual with the Kenyatta presidency, but also uh, yesterday saying the, the elections went okay, but uh, they didn't even mention Kenyatta by name. What do we read into this? We've been speaking to a legal expert uh, this, uh, this morning, and he's saying that uh, it will be very difficult to isolate Kenya per se because of uh, where it is. It's very central. Uh, there is a relationship, uh, and what he's doing in Somalia right now, there is a uh, uh, the country being an economic hub for the East African region. So maybe, according to them, maybe they will go on with what they are calling a minimal contract with the two uh, president and vice president-elect. Until then, we are yet to see. But uh, most of them are actually saying that they are willing to work with them. So we are yet to see when they say minimal contract, what it means. And when they say it will not be business as usual, what they mean. This afternoon, the International Criminal Court will be having what they call a status conference. And maybe from there we can know also how the case will move forward. Thank you very much uh, to our correspondent in Nairobi. That's uh, Sarah Kimani there at 18 minutes past 12. Our top story this hour, residents of Davidson are back at the Pinoni Magistrates Court on Gauteng's East Rand, where nine police officers accused of killing Mozambican taxi driver Mido Masia are applying for bail. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,579.41 an ounce. Platinum is trading at $1,600.50 an ounce. The rand is trading at 9 rands, uh, 40, 14 cents to the US dollar, at 13.64 to the pound, and 11.89 to the euro. If you are the one with hope for tomorrow, with an appetite for change, with passion for your country, join us in our drive to transform our society and nation, the new age, for a new perspective. For a positive outlook for a united South Africa. The New Age. One country, one paper. Get your copy for only three rand fifty.
If you're looking for the key to sustainable service delivery in your municipality, then be at the IMFO Audit and Risk Indaba. This year's theme is good governance with a focus on internal controls and fraud prevention measures in municipalities as well as performance management. Book the 8th to the 10th of April 2013 for the IMFO Audit and Risk Indaba at the Lord Charles Hotel Somerset West Cape Town. For more information, go to imfo.co.za and take the next step and join the leaders of municipal finance excellence. It's uh, 19 minutes past 12 right here on uh, Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Uh, we're going now to our reporter, Pearl Makubane. But first, let me tell you that uh, there's an SMS here coming through from Sitai uh, uh, in Emalachlini saying that the presidency has announced the receipt of uh, the joint resignation of uh, the SABC chair and uh, deputy. So it's official, says Sitai there from Emalachlini. Thank you very much, Sitai. Of course, uh, earlier on when we spoke to the president, Presidency spokesperson Nek Maharaj, he said, no, we haven't received anything. Now there is confirmation there, so we'll try and follow that one up. Pearl Makubane, good afternoon to you. Malibongo Drive, north of Johannesburg, once again uh, blockaded. Uh, scores of uh, Tabombeg informal settlement residents uh, took to the streets, protesting over poor service delivery. What can you tell us? Describe the situation for us, please. Well, at the moment, Bongi, the crowd has dispersed back into the informal settlement and the road has been reopened. This after the community leaders spoke to the residents saying that they should rather go wait in the soccer field and discuss, you know, the issue instead of that disrupting traffic and uh, on Malibongo Drive. What are the issues? Well, the area is an informal settlement and doesn't have electricity, so they say that they've the councillor has promised them electricity for some time now, but nothing is happening. You know, in terms of housing, they're saying that they can they can wait and not demand RTP houses at the moment. But if they can have just electricity, because they're complaining about crime in the area at night and that it is too dark, and therefore the elements of theft and rape that happen within the informal settlement. All right, so, so the main issue really is, is crime and electricity. Yes, it's an situation. They're demanding houses as well, but you know, just for today, the mandate, the the, the demand they're going to put forward to the councillor and the city of Joburg mayor is the electricity until everything else can be finalised. You know, they're saying that they do have, um, they live in poverty, and they were moved from plots in nearby Moldus Drift to the informal settlement, and they were expecting that at least, you know, if they have just electricity for now, then life can continue as normal. Pearl, what we've been observing there, particularly in that area, Cosmos City and, uh, and, and uh, th- th- those areas around there, is that uh, the crowds will, will disperse and they will regroup in the afternoon when it's traffic time and uh, blockade uh, the Malibongwe uh, drive again. What are you getting from, from, from the residents? Uh, is, is, is it a, a showcase now that they're not going to regroup again and blockade the road? You know, at the moment, they've been very peaceful uh, throughout the protest, and there's some uh, a small group of them that have been drinking and threatening to go back to the main road. But, you know, with the leaders that they have, they've, uh, they've indicated that they're going to remain calm till a representative from the city comes. But I, I don't think a representative will come at the moment because a member of parliament came to take the memorandum. So, you know, at the moment, they're still a bit tired, I'm assuming, because they've been protesting since, like, about 5 a.m., so you never know with these people once the day progresses and they've had something to eat and something to drink, then, you know, they can gain strength and protest again when there's traffic.
We thank you very much, uh, our reporter, Pearl Makubane, there on Malibongwe Drive at the Tabombegi informal settlement there. The chairperson of the Marikana Commission of Inquiry, Judge Ian Falam, has appealed to the police to avoid replaying the video footage of uh, the August 16 shootings where 34 miners were shot dead by the police. This after witness, Lonmin Platinum miner Mzokolo Makitiwana broke down on numerous occasions after viewing the footage since he took uh, to the stand two weeks ago. Our reporter Pumzile Mlangeni has more. Magidiwana's cross-examination has been a lengthy and difficult one for him. The commission has for a number of days had to adjourn after he complained of fatigue and on some occasions broke down after repeatedly viewing the footage of the shootings of the 16th, the same day he was shot seven times by the police. The police's legal counsel, advocate Fuyani Galwana, was to be asked to consider Magidiwana's feelings and avoid replaying the footage unnecessarily. The commission's chairperson, Judge Ian Fellam, says it's unfair on Magidiwana wanted to keep on viewing the video footage that changed his life in a traumatic way. I think one should think about it very carefully because it's obvious that was the moment when his life took a dramatic turn for the worst and for the rest of his life he will be suffering from the consequences of that. And I can imagine that watching the clip every time causes enormous emotional turmoil to him. But um, you saw his reaction on Wednesday. You saw how devastated he was to see what was in, in one sense uh, ma- the major catastrophe in his life being reenacted before his eyes. And if you and I had gone through that, we wouldn't like it either. Falam's proposal to limit the viewing of the footage didn't stop Ngalana from grilling the 24-year-old miner further. He once again suggested that the striking miners, including Makidiwana, intended to attack the police. But Makidiwana denied this and told the commission that the police never retreated during the shootings, as suggested by Ngalana. He says the only reason the police stepped back during the shootings was merely to avoid tear gas that had been used to disperse the striking workers. He says if their intention was to attack the police, that would have been done earlier when the group he was with came across two policemen who were by themselves on the other side of the road. Allegations of the use of moti by the striking miners have been raised again. The police say they have evidence proving that the miners were engaged in traditional rituals and paid a sangoma, this to protect themselves from live ammunition and injuries during the strike. The police are expected to lead with evidence after Makidiwana has concluded with his testimony. Pumzilim Langen, SABC News, Rastenbeck. To India now, the main suspect in the brutal gang rape of a woman on a New Delhi bus committed suicide today in a maximum security prison in New Delhi. The attack on the woman who later died horrified the nation and set off violent protests and soul-searching on how women are treated in India. Our correspondent there is Rana Sen. Ram Singh, who is accused of driving the bus on which the 23-year-old student was raped and fatally assaulted by a group of six men in December, hanged himself with his own clothes. He was kept in a cell with two others. They told wardens Singh committed suicide while they were asleep. Ram Singh, along with four other men on trial with him on rape, murder and abduction charges, had been under a suicide watch. But his lawyers said the man was also being tortured by other inmates held for rape in the prison. Kiran Bedi a former chief of the notorious Tihar prison where Ram Singh allegedly killed himself said an inquiry is now a must.
All right, uh, that uh, report by Runners and just froze. We'll try and uh, resuscitate it. But let me read uh, a couple of SMSs here coming from Baseka uh, Makoti saying that Mozambique, Swaziland and Lesotho should together with Zimbabwe, the DRC, Namibia and Botswana be incorporated into the rising Mzanzi. Well, I'm not too sure about that, but what do you make of that uh, SMS by Baseka Makoti there that we should have? How many uh, provinces now that we... Mozambique, Swaziland, Lesotho, that's uh, 12, 13, 14, 15. Wow, that's going to be too big. But uh, thank you very much uh, for that uh, SMS. Uh, uh, that's uh, Pasega Makoti there. Still to come, we'll be talking to MEC Nkosi Pendule Kolisile, the MEC for Economic Development and Planning in Gauteng. Uh, he says that uh, when compared to other provinces, Gauteng has recorded the biggest decrease in the rate of unemployment in South Africa. That was last year. So we'll be talking to him saying that Gauteng's unemployment rate was at 25.4% in the second quarter of 2012 and currently stands at 23.7%. So we hope uh, to talk to him about that as well. Preparations, both spiritual and practical, are almost complete at the Vatican where Roman Catholic cardinals will gather to begin the process of selecting the next Pope. And at the conclave, the secret papal election begins tomorrow in, in the Sistine Chapel, which has been closed to the public while Vatican staff readied the honorably uh, uh, decorated vestry for deliberations there. The BBC's Philippa Thomas reports. The election of the Pope is held in conditions of absolute secrecy within the Sistine Chapel. The word conclave literally means they're locked up with a key. Once this door closes, the cardinals will remain shut away from the world until a new Pope is chosen. It may take only a day or two, but in the past it's taken weeks, months, even years. So, how does the voting actually work? Well, each cardinal writes down his choice on a ballot paper, taking care to disguise his handwriting. At the altar, he places his folded ballot paper on a plate and then tips it into a chalice. As the votes are counted, they're tied together using a needle and thread. They're then burned in a stove, and that's why we look out for the colour of the smoke from the chimney. Black smoke means the vote was inconclusive, but white smoke indicates that a new pope has been chosen. That's when you hear St. Peter's bells, which means two-thirds of the cardinals have agreed. It's a select group that has the privilege of choosing the Pope's successor. They have to be under 80, and out of the 115 who now qualify, more than half, 60, are European. The next largest group is from Latin America, 19 of them. Another 11 are from Africa, 14 from North America, 10 from Asia, and one from Oceania, which includes Australia. Now, let's look at where most of the world's Catholics are today. 41% live in Latin America, while Europe has dropped to 24%. You could say there's a mismatch between this body of cardinal electors and the Catholic population as a whole. And indeed, it's in Africa where there are already 15% of Catholics that the church is growing fastest. It's very hard to single out front runners in this conclave, but here are a few names to watch for. A traditional choice might be Angelo Scola, Archbishop of Milan. 
And a strong contender in the last conclave was Mark Ouellette from Canada. And if we're talking about a first non-European pope in modern times, Cardinal Peter Turkson of Ghana is also getting a lot of attention. But this is a famously unpredictable process. We just won't know who's been chosen until a new pope walks onto the balcony of St. Peter's. That piece there by the BBC's Philippa Thomas. Let me get it right. The conclave is ornately decorated, decorated vestry for deliberations. Is that how you say? Yes. <laughs> That's very nice. All right. It's uh, just after 12.30. We say good afternoon once again to Asanda Matsanya with the news headlines. Thank you very much uh, there to Nancy Richards. Uh, indeed, a great radio coming up between uh, 1 and 2 this afternoon right here on SFM South Africa's news and information leader. Now, the presidency says it has received the joint letter of resignation from SABC chairperson Dr. Ben Gubane and deputy chairperson Tamiga Plaki. It says the president is currently considering the resignations. But also, let me just uh, tell you that uh, at round about 11 o'clock when we called Mr. McMaharaj, he said uh, the presidency had not received the, such a resignation. So there's been a, um, a speedy uh, move uh, on that one. The Democratic Alliance has also called on President Jacob Zuma to accept the resignations of uh, SABC board chairperson and uh, his deputy, DA Shadow Minister there, uh, Miriam Shin, saying that it would be in the public interest for the two to be removed from the board. It's uh, 27 minutes now to one right here on Midday Live. The EDCOP Employment Index has today revealed that labor productivity in South Africa is at a 46-year low. This has resulted in workers getting a smaller share of the national income. The agency has reported that unemployment has remained largely unchanged for the month of February. In January, job losses were seen across all types of employment and in all economic sectors with permanent posts declining the most. Dimakatsu Lishoro has this report for us. The ADCOP Employment Index for January showed that employment fell at an annualized rate of just over 3%. The picture doesn't look very different for February. The Human Capital Management Agency says February's static picture for jobs was attributed to an increase in informal jobs but a decrease in the formal sector. Losses were located largely in the mining and construction sectors while improvements were seen mostly in transport and manufacturing. However, the high-skilled category of the labor market has remained the overwhelming source of job creation with about 12,000 new jobs created. Lone Sharp is a labor economist at ADCOP. For the first time this year, the manufacturing sector created jobs. Financial services is also doing well. So there are some pockets in the economy that are doing well from a job creation point of view. But on the whole, job creation remains very weak. Last year, South Africa saw an economic growth of only 2.5%. Even though economists expect a slightly higher growth for this year, it may not be enough to absorb the number of the 2012 school leavers and university graduates. Times are very tough for job seekers at the moment. At least 50% of school leavers from 2012 have not found employment this year. And their prospects of finding work are very grim. We've seen people holding on to their jobs for longer because they're concerned about being a recent addition to a new company's workforce and the risk of uh, 
retrenchment that goes with that. On Friday, the U.S. Labor Department reported that over 230,000 jobs were created in February. This pushes the jobless rate in the world's number one economy to a four-year low of 7.7%. This is another sign that the U.S. economy is gaining momentum, and it is expected that this improvement will help boost the anemic global economy. Owen Goma is an executive partner at Ngunzi Investment. For us, it's important in South Africa because if our trading partners internationally continue to see this growth in their economies and the recovery in their jobs numbers, it will at some point filter down to our own economy. Coming back home, Sharp says the wage share fell to its lowest level in 50 years. It has declined from 60 to 50 percent recently due to even lower productivity levels. A wage share is the proportion of national income that is attributable to workers. It is an indicator of the distribution of income between capital and labor. Sharp elaborates. The reason for this, I think, is that South African companies have performed incredibly well over the last few years. South African companies have a risk-adjusted return on capital of 10% per annum, which is unheard of and the highest in the world. Labor productivity in South Africa is under significant pressure, mainly because of labor law provisions that adversely affect human capital and labor in the market. And that often gives employees an I-need-to-show-up mentality, where really just being present at work rather than being productive is the order of the day. Meanwhile, Economic Development MEC in Gauteng, Ngozi Pendule Kualisile, yesterday said Gauteng has recorded the biggest decrease in the rate of unemployment in South Africa last year. The province's unemployment rate stood at 25.4% in the second quarter of 2012 and is currently down to 23.7%. For SABC News in Johannesburg, I'm Dima Gazole I must say that uh, we had hoped to talk to Nkosi Pendule, Kolisile, MEC for uh, Economic Development he, here in Gauteng, uh, but uh, his phone is just uh, ringing. He's not picking up, uh, surely, and he is busy doing other things there. But he had uh, confirmed that uh, he will talk to us, uh, MEC Nkosi Pendule, Kolisile, just to talk further uh, on uh, this uh, issue. But we move on now to the Eastern Cape, where the ANC Top 6, led by President Jacob Zuma, jetted into the Eastern Cape yesterday to meet the provincial party leadership to look at troubled municipalities. Infighting among party deployees has crippled service delivery in a number of municipalities there, such as the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro. Regional chairperson Ngaiba Faku threw in the towel at the weekend after being at odds with the current executive mayor for almost a year. Yanga Funani reports. Meeting at James Galata House in King Williamstown under tight security, no word was said there on the decision taken there. President Jacob Zuma had made several of these visits in the past, trying twice to diffuse tensions in the Nelson Mandela Metro amid infighting between Fago and the current executive mayor Zanotolo Waile. But officials are mum on the possible redeployment of Waile, saying the visit was part of resolutions taken at the Mangawong conference in December. Provincial spokesperson is Mliba Kobushiane. Since Mangawong, we were informed that we are going to have uh, a national executive committee led by President Zuma that will not uh, allow programs to permeate without intervention. And I'm pleased that part of their own program to visit provinces to ensure that uh, there is stability, uh, there is focus, uh, issues are attended quickly and resolved amicably as soon as possible. And we are positively taking the visit as a normal 
uh, official to officials visit to the province to deal with specific identified challenges and this is but one of those kinds of visits in the province today led by the president himself who are by their country. He says the team will look at challenges faced by municipalities in the province. Amongst the issues they are visiting is to ensure that the structures of the ANC are quite existing. Uh, the issue of Vazazamadlamini uh, reports are canvassed, communicated to structures of the movement and the general well-being of the ANC including resolutions uh, that are emanating from municipal problems uh, which they've been dealing with between the Eastern Cape ANC as well as uh, our national uh, elected uh, officials. And the resignation of Fagwa's regional chairperson so that he concentrate on his businesses has been widely welcomed by opposition parties. Since his re-election as chairman in a controversial conference at St. Alban's near Port Elizabeth last year, he has been at odds with Waile, even vowing to oust him in the name of the party. DA's Leon Tivilia says a strong decision-maker needs to be appointed as mayor and that together with the new municipal manager Lindy Omsengan and Lela will bring stability. Well, if you consider the fact that there's been this ongoing infighting in the ANC mainly between the Farku and the Wahili camp, the, the logical thing to do if you want to bring political stability to the area would be to redeploy both of them and bring in new people in their place. Chairperson of the Black Caucus within the Metro, which consists of the UDM, COPE, PAC and the ACDP, Mongameli Popani says Fagu is a casualty of infighting within the ruling party. In fact, just before Mangawung, he was the one that was busy moving around, campaigning for the mayor of this municipality to actually step down. And uh, even before Mangawung, he was actually going against the regional leadership slate that was actually supporting Zuma and he was actually supporting Motande. So we're saying that there's opposition parties that this is just a tip of an iceberg. There's more to come. ANC infighting is beyond control now. Komishan has praised Fagu's contributions to the party, saying the party has lost a great leader in Fagu. Yanga Funani, SABC News in the Eastern Cape. Have you tried booking accommodation online? Booking online means the best rates and widest selection, but which website can you trust? I found that TravelGround.com is the easiest way to find and book accommodation online. And with their great customer service, you can rest assured that you're in safe hands. So whether you need a hotel in Santon or a great little guest house in Franchuk, go online to www.TravelGround.com. TravelGround.com, the easiest way to find and book accommodation across South Africa. It's me, Jonathan, in the Big Apple and bringing you the breaking news. On April 4th, Top Billing takes its shortest journey ever. From Tuesday night to Thursday night. It's not like we're going from New York to London. That's right, it's Tuesdays at 8 to Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. We'll still be taking you around the world in just an hour every single week. We'll just be doing it on Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. From the 4th of April, see you there. There's an SMS here saying that uh, the TV coverage of the Cape August was absolutely shocking from uh, Kevin Graham. Uh, but uh, the race itself, uh, Kevin, was uh, was quite great. And uh, Pasek Amakot, do you have a, a response here? You're saying that Mozambique, Swaziland and Lesotho should, together with Zimbabwe, DRC, Namibia and Botswana, be incorporated into the rising Mzansi. Well, uh, this one is unsigned, but it's saying, Aish is Pasek aboard. Who is going to lead? 
uh, and it, it, it goes on. But uh, th- there you have it. So you have an answer right there. It's uh, 17 minutes now to one right here on Midday Live on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Bongani Moyo and his co-accused Kumbulani Sibanda have both indicated that they, w- they wish to enter into a plea bargain with the state. The defense uh, has already indicated that they will consider this. Meanwhile, the defense lawyer John Gum for uh, Leon Ngube and Tabani Sibanda has withdrawn from the case. A new legal representative for the accused will be appointed on Thursday when the case resumes. Maluti Obuseng reports. Security was tight at the North Gauteng High Court where the accused appeared briefly. Moyo, Leon Ngube, Kumbulani Sibanda and Tabani Sibanda are facing robbery charges. All four accused were present in court. Moyo appeared calm while the other accused were much relaxed. They showed little reaction as Judge Natvarlia Ranshot postponed the case until Thursday. This is to allow the plea bargain process for Kumbulani Sibanda and Bongani Moyo, who indicated they want to enter plea bargain with state. It is also to find representative for Leon Ngube and Tabani Sibanda, whose lawyer John Gam has withdrawn from representing them. Previously, the case was postponed as the prosecution awaited instruction from the Directorate of Public Prosecution on whether Moyo and his three co-accused would be charged in terms of the Prevention of Organized Crime Act. Moyo made headlines when he escaped from the Pretoria Magistrate Court for the second time in August last year. He practically walked out with members of the public while on crunches. He was re-arrested three weeks later near Bedbridge border post in Limpopo on his way back into South Africa from Zimbabwe. The first time he escaped was in March 2011 when he broke out of the Boxback prison. All accused will remain in police custody. Maluti Ubuseng, SABC News, Pretoria. And uh, let's go now to the dealing room and say good afternoon to Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Sasfin Securities. Clinton, how are the markets doing today? Good afternoon. Uh, well, we're following the international markets higher today as we get a chance uh, to react to those strong uh, uh, labor numbers out in the U.S. on Friday. Uh, at the moment, we've got the gold board up 0.8%, uh, resources are up 0.3%, industrials are up 0.3%, uh, and financials are flat so far. Uh, overall, the market's up 130 points, or 0.3% uh, to 40,861 points. And we saw some results out this morning from Sasol and AVI. Uh, yes, so Sassel, uh, Sassel announced operating profits uh, up by 9% year on year, uh, which was helped by the RAND, which was uh, 11% weaker on average for the year. Uh, headline earnings per share were up uh, just by 2%, uh, and Sassel declared an interim dividend there of 5 Rand 70. Uh, Sassel currently trading 0.3 of a percent high at the moment uh, at 404 Rand a share. Uh, and then AVR also released interim results this morning. Uh, they reported the headline earnings per share up uh, by 8% uh, to 210 cents. And uh, AVR declared an interim dividend of 90 cents a share, uh, currently trading 1.2% lower at uh, 57.76. Any big movers today, uh, uh, Clinton? Uh, on the upside today, Sasson are up 9.6% uh, to trade at 40 Rand uh, of also putting out uh, results today. Uh, Clicks are up 3.3% uh, at 60 Rand 92 cents. Having up 4% at 37 Rand 10. And Invictus up 3.3% at 102 Rand. Uh, trading lower today. Uh, British American Tobacco is down 1.6% at 477 Rand. Uh, Jubilee Platinum is down 3.3% at 1 Rand 16. And uh, lastly, Marathi is down 2.5% uh, trading 78 cents. And uh, please give us the latest market indicators. Sure. 
Uh, gold's currently at $1,578 an ounce. Platinum is trading $1,596. Uh, Brent crude is currently $109.02 a barrel. Uh, and then finally we've got the rand uh, sitting at 9 rand 14 to the dollar, uh, 11 rand 88 cents to the euro, and the pound is at 13 rand 61 cents. And that's it for me. Thank you very much uh, to Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Suspin Securities. The African Passion set to tour South Africa for Easter 2013. Catalina Unlimited, in partnership with SAFM, proudly presents the world premiere of The African Passion, a new gospel opera written and directed by Temi Venturas, with music composed by Pelelani Mnomia, Anthony Govender, and the young Mbazo. The African Passion, inspiring audiences across the country this Easter. For dates, go to www.catalinatheatre.co.za. Bookings also at CompuTicket throughout South Africa. The African Passion, a new gospel opera. Let's uh, talk metal soccer right now. And uh, in uh, the studio here, I have uh, Simon Burke, uh, SABC Sports uh, reporter there. Uh, Simon, we're talking about Danny Jordan facing a watershed weekend in Morocco as uh, he again attempted to win a seat on the Confederation of African Football's Executive Committee, that's CAF. He was handed a devastating defeat some two years ago, you remember, by uh, Zambia's uh, Kalusha Balwa in his bid to take one of uh, the two Southern African seats on the committee. Talk us through what, what's been happening this, this weekend in Morocco. Well, Danny O'Don lost out yet again. He's possibly the most, uh, the highly ranked um, football administrator in Africa. He delivered the 2010 uh, World Cup. He had FIFA's blessing all the way. He has lots of close ties to the Zurich organization, but he cannot seem to make any inroads in CAF, and yet again he was iced out of the equation. Hmm. This time, a guy called Ahmad from Madagascar got his seat. So the two southern seats for CAF on their, on their committee are Suketsu Patel from the Seychelles and this guy Ahmad from Madagascar. So that's the Seychelles and Madagascar who are representing mm. the southern African zone. And if that's not a joke, then I don't know what is. Madagascar is as part of SADC, but... <laughs> Uh, why? Why is he failing to make the cut? I mean, as, as we say, is, is, is it, it politics? His credentials. It, 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 it has to be politics. It has to be block voting. This is a, this is a, a recurring theme that we see in FIFA. Sepp Blatter lines up his his uh, minions in certain key states. You've got a guy like Jack Warner in Trinidad and Tobago mm. who controls all those that voting block. It's the same thing here with Issa Hayatou. He's facing 30 years in office as president. This is unprecedented. You know, this is incredible. This, this guy is truly astounding at the, the lengths he can go to to hang on to power. And I'm no, not knocking the Seychelles or Madagascar, but who are they in African football in terms what, of what world have they football done? What have they done? Why are these know? guys, in whose interests are they acting? Mm. Jordan doesn't seem, well, no one wants him. Is he too decorated? Does he have too much experience? Is he too arrogant? Does he talk down to people when he's at these meetings? Are they jealous of his uh, credentials and all that? Who knows? But it's, a, it's an absolutely astounding story. But uh, Simon, where to now for, for um, Judan? I mean, he's, he's given it uh, his all, really, in the African football. He's tried a couple of times. He's failed. 
It's what? a sorry state of affairs for 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 CAF. Um, I mean, th- we we came to their rescue. Uh, and now, just recently, after Libya couldn't host, they came out singing the praises of South Africa. We do no wrong in their eyes. We co- there is no way we can underperform, um, especially uh, you know from what CAF is 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 used to. Uh, and and yet, yeah, your Don can't get anywhere. And where to now? Who but, knows? But but what kind of support does he have from from the block, from SADC itself? Because it's all well and good to say Issa Hayato and them up there, you know, francophone and, and so on and so on. But is there support from here, from SAFA itself, from, from, from SADC itself? Uh, who know, uh, yeah, that, that's the other question. Uh, we don't know. But, I mean, he, he, he lost in a runoff poll to this Ahmad from Madagascar, and it was uh, a runoff of 27 votes to 21. So that was quite tight. Uh, it wasn't an absolute trouncing like like he was subjected to uh, last time, but there's definitely not football's best interest being being taken to heart. It's definitely not about the most capable administrators. Okay. Anyone who's thinking that is 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 fooling themselves. And your Don is just uh, too overqualified, clearly. Simon Burke, thank you very much, SBC Sport reporter. There, just uh, one SMS, quick one. We have not been getting SAFM in Mafikeng since Friday. Can someone do something about this? Indeed, John in Mafikeng will do that. It's uh, time now for Create with Michelle Constant. Create is proudly presented by Business and Arts South Africa, bringing the business of the arts and the art of business together. The City of Cape Town is hosting the sixth annual Infecting the City Public Arts Festival this week. Starting from today, the festival ranges from dance, theatre, music to visual arts and interventions throughout the public spaces of Cape Town. Jay Pather is the curator of Infecting the City and the director of the Gordon Institute for Performing and Creative Arts, GIPCA, at UCT. Pather says the festival is designed to encourage audiences to discover and define experiences of private and public spaces. It's also about refinding the cities and we've designed the routes so you can pitch up at say 6 o'clock in the evening in one work and then you are taken through about 8 different productions and artworks throughout the city and you're led because it's all in walking distance. Each route is different from day to day so you can choose to be on one or join midway. For now it's it's still concentrated in the city centre, but it does take you into venues that you might not have. We often take a space and match it to a work, giving it new meaning or as a counterpoint or an ironical point. It's a wonderful experience to look at art in that kind of way. According to Pather, apart from being recreational and entertaining, the festival also addresses the challenges that Cape Town, the city, faces. Cape Town is very beautiful, but it's also all a divided city, no matter how diverse it is. And what the experience of public art does, I think, is that audiences also find each other. You know, as much as it is about a kind of a recreation and an entertainment, a number of the artists are engaging with the notion of the African city and to what extent is Cape Town an African city, to what extent is it a city for tourists, or to what extent is it a city for its inhabitants. So as much as it is an effervescent, exuberant experience, it's also the experience of probing these difficult questions, which, as we all know, Cape Townians need to face, especially as we go into the world design capital next year and I think taking on the challenges of a city that is still in need of drastic transformation will be a measure of our realism and our vision. One of the highlights of the festival is the acclaimed Afro-Galactic Dream Factory. 
Catherine Hennigan, director and producer of the production, describes it as a musical mashup of genres, and she says that the work is inspired by the Afrofuturism movement. We always refer to it as a musical mashup, and that's really what it is. So you'll find that Mr. Sakatumi worked with Marcelo Matana and the African booby singers and took old traditional Sotwana songs and transformed them into techno-orientated versions. And constantly we're looking in the creative process of how to combine different genres. It takes much more the form of a concert, like a pop concert, but there is a dramaturgical line running through. And the piece was very much inspired by the wave of Afrofuturism that's been happening over the past few years in South Africa with the likes of the Pan-African Space Station, Spooks and Tembo. So Jimmy Rage, who is one of the main vocalists in the show, has also introduced me years and years ago to Sun Ra. And the piece is inspired by that movement of Afrofuturism. I guess what I find so impactful is about imagining astronauts from Africa. Just that little thought provokes a whole series of questions and thoughts about African identity and what it means to be African now at this moment in 2013 and where we're heading into the future in this digital stratosphere that we're living in. Also on the program is the production Okoyo Panzi Kwempumlo, The Meal, by Standard Bank Young Artist Award winner for dance, Mamela Nyamza. Having recently returned from sold-out performances at the Oval House in London, Mamela describes how the work has evolved since the National Arts Festival. There's more depth into it now, and I'm actually dancing more this time. I'm actually even playing a solo of mine that I did in 1998 in New York. So that piece is going to be also in this work as well. So people actually see a different Mamela. So people always take me to me that I don't dance in my work, I move only. And for me, I feel like this piece will actually show you all aspects of me as a dancer and as an artist as well. Infecting the City will run in Cape Town until the 16th of March and all performances are free. It's a wonderful experience. And for the full program lineup, you can log on to www.infectingthecity.com. I'm Michelle Constant. This feature was produced by Monique Stander. You can email me on create at barsa.co.za. Create, proudly brought to you by Business and Arts South Africa, creating new opportunities for business arts partnerships. Email create at barsa.co.za. Well, uh, you know that uh, nine police officers accused of uh, killing uh, Mido Masia are in court today applying for bail. SABC's uh, reporter there, Mangoba Mkunu, has tweeted saying that Davidson community members are threatening to kill policemen if they are released on bail there, saying uh, community leaders. On that story, as we look back to uh, the top stories this hour, the street adjacent to the Pinoni Magistrates Court has been cordoned off as uh, residents of uh, Davidson have gathered outside the court where nine police officers accused of killing Mozambican taxi driver Mido Masia applying for bail. Our reporter Edwin Sidi. This is a result of a protesting residents of Davidson who have come here in their numbers to come and show their support to the deceased family as well as calling for no bail against the nine police officers charged with the murder of Masia. In Kenya, President-elect Uhuru Kenyatta's rival in the just-completed election, Raila Odinga, is challenging the results in court. From Kenya, our correspondent is Sarah Kimani. Thanks for the law. He has uh, seven days uh, to go to court, and the courts have uh, 14 days from the time uh, Odinga files his case to determine it and uh, give uh, a final verdict. 
and uh, Malibongo Drive north of Johannesburg once again blockaded off uh, blockaded as scores of uh, Tabumbegi informal settlement residents have taken to the streets protesting over poor service delivery. Our reporter Pearl Makubane. So they're saying that they, the councillor has promised them electricity for some time now, but nothing is happening. In terms of housing, they're saying that they can wait and not demand LTP houses at the moment, but if they can have this electricity, because they're complaining about crime in the area at night and that it is too dark.